Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. In today's show, we talk about some funny fishing stuff we've recently seen online, highlights of the recent listener appreciation event, and we take a deep dive into fishing suspended jerkbaits. Since we're talking jerkbaits and the new Berkeley Stunna is now available, I want to give one of these away. All you have to do to be entered to win the Berkeley Stunna is share this podcast. You can share any way you want. Just type up a little note, put a link, however you want to share it, but share it on either Facebook or Instagram and tag us and you'll be entered. We'll go through all the people that share, whether it's 10 or a couple hundred, and we'll pick one and I'll send a stunner to you guys next week. They're kind of hard to find right now. They're out of stock in a lot of places, so might be your only chance to get one for the early spring jerkbait bite. So make sure you share the podcast on Facebook or Instagram and uh, you'll be entered and hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. Um, We are kind of still riding high because we are coming off of our angler listener appreciation meetup up at Roosevelt Lake and we had a great time. So uh, you know, I know I'm, I'm feeling pretty good this week. Uh, it's already Thursday, already almost to another uh, weekend where we can hopefully get some fishing in. But uh, before we get to our main list of topics today, let's see what's going on with the guys. Rob, what's up with you, man? Um, feeling good. It's not Our meetup wasn't exactly like a spit and chiclets uh, meetup where everyone's all hung over the next day on the podcast. <laughs> not so. everyone, but some. Not everyone. Maybe some were. But no, it was a lot of fun, dude. I'm glad we did it. Um, a lot of great people showed up and I'd love to say everyone's name that we met up there or, but I'm afraid of missing someone, but, uh, it was a lot of fun, very cool connections with a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people. Yeah. What, uh, what have you been up to this week since then, dude? Um, I've been actually mountain biking a little bit. I've been working on my boat a little bit, getting stuff ready. Uh, that's one thing I wanted to bring up. That's a good call is, um, I'm in the process of ordering uh, Garmin electronics and I'm going. Oh, yeah. So, Rob, you're going to be seeing 20 pounders on live scope here pretty soon. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Probably 20 pound carp, but <laughs> no, it doesn't, it doesn't pick up carp, dude. You didn't know that there's filters for it. Right. It's right. that good. Nice. So I'm, it'd be kind of cool to, um, I guess chronicle my progression with that, you know, and just talk about how, you know, when I, cause I've been in Josh's boat with it. I've been in Les's boat with it. And until I get in my boat and go spend a whole day just by myself, you know, looking at the live scope, it's going to, I think it'll, it'll bring on a whole new meaning to me at that point. So you'll, every time you go out, you'll find new uses for it where it's helpful, man. And, um, it's to me, like anyone that's intimidated by it, which I'm, you're not, I'm not saying you are, but like some people are like, I don't know no, what I'm I looking am. at. hundred percent. I mean, to me, what you're looking at is, I mean, it's what's there, right? Like there's no interpretation. Well, that's what's cool about live scope is, you know, sonar forever. We've had to interpret what you're seeing on the screen to what is really down there. There's, there's some interpretation there. And, and in live scope, it's, it's like a live picture. So uh, very easy to learn to me. There's, there's nuances, you know, and some of the most challenging things are learning how to really see your bait on there, keep the, keep the, the, the cone angle on your bait, stuff like that. But I don't know. I think you'll pick it up really quick, man. Do you, you know, I've, I've watched a million videos on it and 
you know, one guy says you got to be on this percentage of gain and which pretty much what I've learned is every situation's a little bit different. Are you adjusting yours on the regular or are you kind of a set it and forget it? Well, I keep it typically on, for as far as gain on auto medium, man. So like a lot of people say, oh, gain needs to be at 65 or 68 or whatever, but there's so much, there's so much that, that can change depending on the, the clarity of the water, the amount of you know, junk that you've got, uh, particles in the water, the depth that you're fishing, what you're trying to see. So, man, I, I leave it on auto medium 90% of the time and it, it, it's good. Like if I had yeah. any issues, if, if, I, if it's too cluttered, I might play with it if, if I don't feel like I'm seeing enough. But, man, leaving it on auto medium, it's, it seems to be very good most of the time. And, yeah. uh, have, have you looked, have you watched a bunch of videos on YouTube with it? I've or watched you, some, but I, it, there's, I could learn. Go ahead. Dude, it, well, it's hilarious that just the, everybody's got their own little angle on it. So it kind of tells me that you pretty much have to learn it on your own and, and do what set it the way it, you know, fits for you, which obviously I have no idea what that means until I get in the boat and mess with it. So that's a good but. point. Now, someone's coming to Rob's door. Jeez, <laughs> wow. his dog. Got a bloodhound back there, man. And Rob mutes himself. Nicely done. Well, I'll take that opportunity to tell you what I've been up to Let's this hear week. It, Nick. Heck yeah, man. Oh, he might be coming back. No, we're getting a head shake of no from Rob. It looks like now the bandit's climbing through his window. They've, they've got Rob in a headlock. They're dragging him away. And then there was two. And that's not true. He's What's up your way, dude? Uh, so... Yeah, I can feel my toes again now. I had a great time at the uh, event with everyone. And in my true fashion of never preparing for anything, I figured I could just sleep in a sleeping bag outside in our frigid Arctic winter and woke up to a nice blanket of uh, water slash uh, frost over my sleeping bag that morning and uh, was two-thirds hypothermic. But had a fantastic time. Uh like Rob said, how great was the uh, pulled pork? I think that it was pretty sweet having everyone come and visiting and getting to meet a bunch of people was amazing. But man, the ruddies threw down. The food was on another level. They deserve the biggest shout out, really. Absolutely, they do. They actually did more work than us at our event. So we appreciate <laughs> that big time. And, Not only uh, like three times the amount of work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it was awesome. They, uh, they did a great job smoking. I think they did eight or nine pork butts. There was more than enough food to go around. And uh, I think everyone, everyone ha- liked the food. So I don't know how many people ask Blaine, like, so you cater for, a, is this like a business? He's like, no, this is just for fun. This is for having family over and stuff. So he just, he throws down, man. It's like, it's for real. And he's got all the tools of the trade. Like you can tell he's serious about it. And we were all the beneficiaries of that. So one more time, thank you to him and Nathan, his son. That was, that was next level and so fun getting to meet so many people. So I was right on that high for a long time. It's uh, just really cool how far this podcast has come and getting to meet listeners like that. I'm, I'm excited for next year. It's going to be even better. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. We kept it as low key as possible for the first one. Uh, you know, I think, we had something like total in total, we probably had about 50 people there. Um, and it was a great amount, but next year, hopefully it'll be a little bit bigger. We'll promote it a little bit more. Uh, we'll maybe even add a few things to the mix to just, uh, 
can make it even more fun, but we learned a lot from it. And uh, it ultimately ended up being just what we wanted it to be. Just got to meet everyone. We had a bunch of prizes to uh, give out in the raffle. It was cool to see some of the kids win the prizes too. I think the kids had rigged that raffle because each one of them had walked away with some pretty pretty good like, stuff yeah big ticket items too right they weren't yep. getting like your used robo worms <laughs> no <laughs> <from> 2014 no. <laughs> they got good stuff so uh we'll do it again and uh yeah thanks again to, i mean a lot of people you know took it's not like we did it in central phoenix we did this two hours outside yeah. of phoenix so even if you live in phoenix to make that trip up there or if you live a lot of people came from sholo flagstaff they made a trip down. Uh, we ended up giving away Nick's famous cowboy hat to whoever had traveled the farthest. And of course, um, our buddy Mark, <laughs> who never misses any event or party, was there from Alaska. So he was the uh, the, the great winner of the uh, Sims unisex cowboy hat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a gender neutral hat. It's very progressive. It's a woke hat. There you um, go. But yeah. So yeah, thanks. Thanks to Mark. He, uh, he deserved it. And he told me that he's almost already gotten rid of all the lice that he acquired from my hat. And nice. I had only sweat in it like 10 or 15 times. So it was almost clean when he got it. So how about that campfire? Holy cow, guys. It was a ranger. That was, that was legit. So we had folks bring campfire and, and they delivered for, camp, and, for firewood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Campfire. Yeah. They brought firewood and, and, and we had a rager all night. Like, so. <laughs> Nick, you yeah, sleeping, to... but you slept I did. by the fire, right? Because mm -hmm. I quickly realized how underprepared I was going to be. And, and it was great. I woke up feeling like an 85-year-old emphysema patient having breathed <laughs> campfire smoke through my sleeping bag for seven hours. But I wasn't incredibly 100% hypothermic at that point, only like 88.5%. So the campfire was a saving grace for sure. Oh, dude, I can't imagine how smoky you smell and all your clothes smelled after literally sleeping. Yeah, my wife called me Traeger. Yeah, she called me Traeger for a couple of days. I was like a, <laughs> a, a pellet-smoked 34-year-old man. But the only other thing good this week, man, to laugh about is that, you know, it wouldn't be a, an, uh, an episode without some kind of really poor mechanical idea. And uh, so on this week's episode of Things Nick Shouldn't Buy, I'm pretty sure I, I'm still on the hunt for a tiny boat and I've got a couple of great leads on those, but they're, they're actually like somewhat realistic and not very exciting and fun. in the fact that they're a bad idea. So the bad idea for this week is I stumbled upon a 2001 15 passenger diesel Ford van from a local church that's for sale. And I just thought of all the amazing activities you could do with this thing. I mean, think about that. Like could have slept in it instead of next to the campfire could tow a boat. I mean, all the potential in the world. It's only like 1500 bucks. And so I messaged the guy to find out what the scoop is. And he was like, yeah, man, I'm fixing it up right now. I was like, all right, well, what's wrong with these? Like, yeah, these damn crackheads cut the catalytic converters off and they stole the battery cables. <laughs> so uh, that's going to be the next uh, Angler's Happy Hour official. I think you're taking that on tour, right, Josh? I'll get it fixed up for you. You can sleep in that. It'd be sweet. I cannot I cannot believe you're going to buy that. Are you really going to buy it? If, once it gets the battery cables put back on, I told <laughs> catalytic converters are just a gentle, you know, like the um, emissions testing people only suggest you should have those. So I wasn't so worried about that, but the battery cables, I don't even know like how you smoke meth with a battery cable. That takes a lot of talent. I guess if you sell it to buy the product, it, 
the visual wasn't adding up, but she's beautiful. She's sky blue, 300,000 miles. It's going to be a good one. The paint's got to be just like off the hood, right? Like completely baked off the hood. You know, it's like 30% painted still at this point, but I figured if it was a church van, it's got a holy vibe and it won't let me down. You know what I'm saying? Like it should be reliable. That's a good call. Yeah. Everyone was so good. And we talked about it at the, ad nauseum at the, at the event, but everyone was so bummed that Nick had a reliable vehicle up <laughs> that there. I Everyone's made like, it. Hey, what did Nick drive up here? You know, what, <laughs> what, where's your, uh, you know, where's your all, where's your clapped out vehicle at? And it ended up just being a, a run of the mill, reliable 2021 F-150. So, so I need to get rid of that. Clearly I need some more things to break down in my life. And I think the Jesus van will be just perfect for that. So exactly. I like so it. Josh, what's up, man? You, uh, yeah, I see a few extra soft plastic bags behind you. You must be doing big things. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm pretty much I've got a week where I'm I'm at home all week. We typically this time of year we'll for uh, pure fishing we get together in Columbia or Spirit Lake and we do like a kind of a pro staff summit where the teams over at Berkeley and Abu they go through all the products that are out are coming out you know different types of messaging and stuff for the year just kind of get us, uh, educate us on, on what's new with the, with the products. And, uh, this year we're doing it virtually. So it's kind of, it's nice for me. I mean, Hey, not having to travel, you know, we're going to be doing so many extra trips, one less trip or so many trips coming up. One less trip's always great, but, uh, I've been sitting in front of a computer just like this, you know, doing virtual <laughs> meetings for the last three days. And we've got a couple more tonight and a couple more tomorrow. So um, it's been good learning a lot about the stuff. There's some stuff coming that is going to be really awesome and some stuff that's here that's going to be really awesome. So, um, you know, the probably the coolest thing on the rod and reel side uh, are the new Fantasista X rods. They're pretty, they're pretty awesome. Um, they're replacing the Fantasista Premier, which is kind of the the higher end Abu rods. Uh, so that's what I'll be fishing a lot of next year. And, um, you know, other than that, just kind of doing the, doing the dad thing, but, um, I'm glad we were able to carve out a little time right now to, to knock out a podcast and we're going to keep doing our best to stay consistent on this. We got a little energized, uh, you know, meeting and talking to everyone at the event this past weekend. So, um, again, just want to thank everyone who came out. We kind of have already run through that. So, um, moving you, you know, I guess we, we chuckled a little bit, you know, leading up to that the, we'll turn the page. But when this happened, we all got a good laugh and said, oh, we got to mention that. So leading up to the event, right, where we got our checklist of all the stuff we need to bring and we need like, you know, practical things like tables, chairs, da, da, da. And then some like silly or creative things like, oh, we should get like a raffle ticket drum. It's like, oh, well, let's get like a big speaker with a microphone. And that way, Nick can yell at people in a microphone and badger and belittle them during the raffle. So it seemed like a good idea. So I went to Best Buy and I got myself a sweet outdoor speaker on Friday afternoon, you know, Saturday's the event and uh, had a great big old microphone ready to just, you know, let her rip out of. And my two-year-old got home from school and he had been home from school for precisely five minutes before he found that microphone and smashed it into the floor and broke it. And I text you guys like, I do, I've lost it. I, I knew it was going to happen and I still couldn't prevent it. It's like, if that little bastard gets his hands on my microphone, he's going to smash it. And he did. He broke it into like four pieces. And so went into a little bit of a tailspin, hurried over to Best Buy Friday night, 
And in this world of online shopping, they didn't have a microphone in store. So I panicked and thought, I went through all this, bought this stupid giant speaker for no reason, no microphone. And luckily I found my neighbor had one and he loaned it to me. But dude, isn't that hilarious that he broke it? Like the whole reason we bought that damn thing and he broke it in five minutes of seeing Amazing. <laughs> Chantel said you shouldn't have left it on the ground. Yeah. All right, Chantel. <laughs> Come babysit for us, please. Yeah, dude. Hey, <laughs> you were awesome. You were an awesome uh, raffle MC, dude. It was great to see. Like, basically, I you roasted me. <laughs> you roasted all the listeners that were, that were coming up and catching their, getting their prizes. So, never seen a raffle turn into a roast quite like that. But it was great. Yeah, thanks, dude. People were hoping they didn't win. Probably they're like that asshole is going to say something belittling and demeaning to me. I don't want to win nothing, but no doubt it was fun. So yeah, so I will never let my son live that one down. As he gets older, I'll be like, yeah, you ruined my inaugural listener appreciation event by smashing my microphone. That's why you're not on the will anymore. <laughs> nice. Wow. Nice. Yeah, over over a mic. I like. Oh, it. I'm sure absolutely. that's it. I'm sure he hasn't frustrated you in any other way. So that's good. No, he's very angelic. All right, now you can turn the page. All right. So uh, I do want to just kind of give a shout out to Cliff Pace. If if you guys don't follow Cliff Pace, Cliff Pace, he's a, he's a great guy, great fisherman. Um, he's also known as being kind of a pretty stoic guy. Doesn't doesn't have a lot of extra stuff to say. Um, always got a straight face, but monotone. He's hooked up with a, a comedian out of California named Tavin Dillard, and they have done some hilarious videos on Instagram. And uh, I think I may have sent one or two to you guys, but just go check out Cliff Pace on Instagram and watch some of these videos he's done with this guy. They're they're hilarious. This guy is is so funny. His name's Tavin Dillard, and uh, I don't know much about him other than that. He's a, I think he's a comedian literally from California, but you would never know it watching the video. So I'll, I'll just say that. Make sure you guys go give that a look. He does one about power poles, and he does another one uh, that was just about some random stuff, but it was funny, man. Yeah, you saw it, right, Nick? I did. Yeah, the powerful one's probably my favorite, but the other one, too, where he starts doing is it a duck call, like a turkey duck call oh, or yeah, something? Yeah, turkey dude. salmon. Turkey, I was losing yeah. it. Maybe that was hilarious. So Cliff Pace is a funny guy too, because he can he can follow along, dude. Never breaks character. Like he's, he's quick witted, dude. Yeah, he just you just don't see that side of him when he's catching uh -huh. him on live or something because he's so serious. But he's dude, funny, dude. Southerners are so funny, man. They are usually so good at execution. Like it's like straight face, like no emotion, sarcasm. I love it. It's good stuff. It's great. It's great. Rob, are you, are you laughing now? Are you watching him or have you seen him before? No, I just followed him. So I'm okay. anxious to watch him after we're done recording here. So nice. Yeah. Cool. Uh, another one, another funny thing I saw on the internet today was uh, Josh Douglas, our buddy from uh, Minnesota. He's been on the podcast before. He posted a video of, it's a, it's a video of a dude reeling a bait caster, but holding the, like the back of the butt of the rod like this, not over the reel. And, it, and, and Josh's caption is, tell me you're not a bass fisherman without actually telling me that you're not a bass fisherman. <laughs> and uh, dude, that was one thing, right? Just the way he was holding the rod. But if you look closely and you look at the reel, the reel is completely blown up. There's loose strands of line all, and he's just reeling tight line over it. And that makes my skin crawl, guys. Like there's nothing that, that gives me more panic an anxiety feeling than watching someone make a cast 
and have loose strands of line and reeling over it. There's so much that that's that's wrong with that. Obviously, no. it's going to affect your next cast, dude. But but like that, that that's so damaging to your line. <laughs> Everything about that's bad. And I think that might be my biggest pet peeve in bass fishing. So Josh. Thanks for completely ruining my day by posting that, dude. Do you guys have anything like that that just drives you nuts when you're watching someone else in your boat or fish or especially guiding? Of course, you see it and you have to learn to look away. But yeah, I actually, I actually ahead, have a, uh, a trip that happened, uh, I don't know, in the, in the last couple of months. The guy could throw a baitcaster well, uh, but we had pretty light line on there because he was throwing a crankbait up shallow and uh, he kept reeling over just clumps of line right and then you could hear it you could hear it when he would cast and then he would get a backlash and then he would look at me like like it was my fault when the line broke in the reel right <laughs> i'm like no it's, you got some crappy line rob what the heck yeah well he's like what's wrong with this reel something's wrong with this reel. <laughs> I'm like well it's you've been slapping that line against the reel <laughs> it finally broke down but yeah I, I thought it was like that song what doesn't kill you makes you stronger by kelly clarkson i thought abrasion and fluorocarbon were like you know peanut butter and jelly well, i also like that you asked rob if there's anything that bothers him he was like falling over trying to talk into the mic to tell you that so that's you know rob had some material for that <laughs> well you know josh douglas is a guide to be able to have that video too i mean i'm i'm not sure did he take the video do you think or was it I just something so he... and i don't know dude i don't know if it was like he did it as a joke or or if it was a real client and he had his phone snuck out i remember this is gonna no one's ever gonna go on a guide trip ever but i had a, a guy dude i had a guy a long time ago seven eight years ago i Drop shotting, it's so critical to fish slowly. I loved this video, dude. When you sent it to me, I was crying that day. It's so it's good. It's so critical to fish slow. And you have, as a guide, you have your things that you tell people to try to encourage them to fish slow. You know, the first, before they ever make a cast, if they've never drop shotted, you take the rod and you say, I'm just going to make an example of a cast and show you how to do it. You cast it out, let it fall to the bottom. When it's on the bottom, your line is stopped. You're going to want to work it very slowly. You never want to let the weight get up off the bottom. So you're just going to inch it along, an inch at a time with the tip of your rod let it sit still, maybe reel up your slack, use the tip of your rod to inch it along again. It's so important to go slow. If you, if you, you could definitely go too fast, that's going to mess it up. If you go too slow, you're still going to catch fish and you just reiterate slow, slow, slow. If they start to fish too fast, then you try to explain, okay, you know, just uh, make sure that you're feeling everything down there on the bottom, you know, <laughs> try to try to count over to the different rocks, just all the little things. Well, this guy, is literally fishing it like a jerk bait all day. And I, I told him a million times and, and I, I picked up my rod and showed him over and over. And after a couple hours of this, he would just cast it out and just jerk it back to the boat. So I, I literally just straight videoed him and sent it to all my friends. Dude, it was, and it was like, it was just like drag reel, drag reel, drag reel, just as fast as he could go. It was good. I yeah, his casts were 20 seconds. <laughs> did he catch any josh i'm sure he did not dude i guarantee yeah. he did not oh that wasn't the trip where he caught the nine <laughs> yeah yeah i told you josh no mm. but uh good yeah. stuff so yeah so don't go on a guide trip to the listeners they're just gonna make fun of you and text videos of you to their buddies yeah, and laugh yeah. behind your back <laughs> they just watching that loose line in the reel just really kind of got to me a little bit man so you can yeah, tell it's some frustration boiling over 
no kidding. I thought you just did that so that you had something to do later on in the day. You know what I mean? Like you just like, oh, I'll put a pin in that and I'll get back to it at the end of the day. I, you know, I'll just, I have so much going on right now. I don't want to deal with peeling all this line off and I'll just make another backlash. You know, yep. it makes sense. It's practical. Yeah. Think about like the one little loop in a spinning rod. <laughs> like you can cast over that a hundred times, but that 101 like it's a complete disaster. <laughs> it just vomits out of the room. I mean, yep. Yeah. I mean, line management is everything. You really have to take care of it. And, and if there's an issue, you got to address it and it just makes for a, a better day efficient, more efficient. So if you don't with that bait caster, you're, you're one of the, one of those casts, you realize your bait is going to go and not come back in. It's just gonna <laughs> it's gonna be going to be a really, really long cast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that was funny. Thanks for that, Josh. Um, another cool, thing that i saw online this week was uh my buddy tyler anderson in uh, texas oh the dog's in mixed lap beautiful <laughs> um tyler anderson in texas he's uh on youtube as tyler's real fishing he's full-time bass fishing youtuber great guy great kid uh he caught a 14-4 out of oh ivy so apparently and we'll see um you know as the video comes out but um he does these mini series on his channel you know he'll focus on one thing and do it for a couple months or whatever and that'll be that series and he was just starting a series and it was it's it was called it's going to be called like 10 days to catch a 10 pounder something like that and uh which he had not caught a 10 pounder yet and oh. on his second day he caught a 14-4 dang <laughs> so oh. i wish it was always that easy but obviously wow. he did a lot right right and he went to the hottest we talked about this lake at nauseam last year this time of year uh, the A-Rig bite over that Lake OHIV. And um, apparently it's picking up where it left off because Tyler caught that fish and another guy caught a 14-9 uh, the same week last week. So pretty wow. crazy just on these public lakes to see fish like that being caught. Can you imagine the pressure on that body of water right now? The <laughs> every every of single one of these brings another yeah. 100 guys. Yeah, number of A-Rigs being flung around. Double and triple a rigs <laughs> seriously and that i think that's what it is they're using live scope um i read on i haven't talked to tyler but um i read on wired to fish that he he gives a little breakdown of that one fish and he said on live scope he saw a school of eight to ten fish or something like that just a little mini school and he threw his a rig out and meant to throw beyond the fish but it ended up a little short so it landed basically right over the fish and it sunk, and by the time he engaged his reel, the fish had it. So the the fish ate it on the fall. Oh, pretty awesome. Yeah, that's incredible. These are fish that are not going to be caught without the forward-facing sonar. Do you agree, Josh? Yeah, I mean, by the sounds of it, they're just out there targeting single fish and small groups of fish over suspended over open water. So you're totally right, man. Um, and and yeah, it. You wonder what would happen if you did that on some other lakes when the fish get tough to catch this time of year, right? Like, I mean, who knows, but it is pretty, uh, it is pretty wild. And, and yeah, those, those fish 10, I don't know much history on that lake. I don't know if that lake didn't have these fish 10 years ago or the technology to catch the fish didn't exist 10 years ago. Maybe it's a combination of both. Yeah, probably definitely that. I mean, the way those fish are positioned, guys just weren't catching them, I bet. No Except doubt. for probably uh, springtime, those fish would pull up on beds for a short period of time, and that's about it, and that's the only time they're really accessible. you think that fish just suspends offshore all year, like other no. than the spawn? I mean, 
I don't now know. We're, now we're trying to think like a fish. It may and that not suspend. Well, I mean, I don't know what the lake's got, right? It might have some really good cover where it could act like a normal bass in the post-spawn all through the summer. But this time of year, a lot it's of it has random. to do with shad kills and shad die-offs, man. And, and uh, they're just swimming around sucking down those shad from the yeah. sounds of it, right? Yeah, I think so. It's I don't know. Dude, they're just like swimming in open water. And then there's a loud splash and five giant shad appear to have died from the heavens and are falling down like oh how great is this what great fortune i have oh son of a (laughs) next thing you know you're uh on the internet you're famous on the gram yep yep pretty funny but congrats to tyler that's an awesome fish man and uh you've you've instantly jumped us all with your pb so congrats on that too man he barely got around mine makes my skin crawl (laughs) (laughs) what do you prefer josh I, don't know, large, I, large. I mean, dude, personal best is great, but PB, I just don't know about that, dude. Yeah, yeah. Josh is more of that. an L-B-O-M-L, largest bass of my life. So that's what he goes off with. There you go. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> L- everyone knows L- what that Bommel. means, huh? <laughs> Nick, uh, we had a question. Uh, I don't know if you have it in front of you, dude, but our buddy Steven Jackson wrote in a question. Um, and did you screenshot it? I will just pull it up right now, my friends. Right on. It's the awkward pause as we look through our phones. Yeah, well, it was relating to um, our best winter lures episode, a few episodes back. I think that maybe was two or three, so we apologize for being tardy to this. Uh, but he's referencing a video that Iconelli had posted on YouTube saying that he felt like the shad wrap crankbait was the best and then um, questioned if we felt like it works as well in our episodes as the base that we talked about. And then saying that he's had a lot of success with that here in Arizona, but more uh, like in the river below uh, Saguaro. So it's kind of an old school classic bait. Do you guys have a lot of history with that one? I don't have a ton of history with it, but I do have a, a situation, Apache Lake. God, it had to be close to 20 years ago, but there was a big shad die off. Uh, a rig probably would have killed them. <laughs> <laughs> but instead we did we threw a shatter up but uh you didn't throw five of them tied together no it, it would have been good so we just threw a little uh white and chartreuse shad wrap and we fished it kind of like a jerk bait so it, it got down a little bit deeper but it was it was directly related to the shad die off the reason nice. that bait worked and we did really well it was a one-time situation like i don't recall any other situations similar to that um how did you even stumble into that if it was such a specific it was just i think we're just making the bait to the size of the of the thread fin shad that were dying off and um i don't know if i grabbed it or if my buddy did it was a team tournament um and we absolutely wrecked them and guys were having a hard time catching them and that the shad wrap was the perfect presentation for that cold cold water like that um I've also caught them just real on a shad wrap, but I can't really think of anything uh, like in my memory that it was that good. You know, I think we finished second in that tournament, so we had to have a pretty big bag. But anyhow, pretty vague, but I do remember it being a wintertime situation. Yeah, it's such a it's such a subtle that style of crankbait is so subtle compared to other crankbaits. It's really thin. If you look at it from the side, doesn't look that different. But if you look at it from the top, it's a third of the, the diameter of other crankbaits. It's really, really thin. 
and there's a bunch of other crankbaits on the market. You know, you know, I'm going to slide it back into the Berkeley corner, but there's a bat. The Berkeley makes a bad shad, which is a similar style profile. Um, there's a handful of them out there that are pretty well known. The shad wrap was definitely the original and, a, and always been a fish catcher. Um, but like there, there comes a point like in a lot of lakes around the country where the water does get so cold that a regular crankbait can be too much. Like Arizona, you're talking about how it's not really ever been like maybe a, a mainstay out here. Our water doesn't get below 52, 53, but there's lakes where that water is 44, 45, 46, where dude, a regular crankbait does become too much. And that shad wrap is so subtle. Um, that style bait will catch fish, um, you know, one of the drawbacks is it's so light you need a you basically for the smaller sizes you need a spinning rod to throw it um that was one of kind of the thought process behind the bad shad at berkeley it's it's got the same profile but it's plastic and it's weighted so you can throw it with a bait caster but um you know the shad wrap it's a fish catcher but you literally you have to throw it on spinning rod and almost if you're using like the number seven or five you have to use uh, an oddball casting it's like throwing a hair jig or something it's such a light bait um but it catches fish and sometimes you it's it's like do you just fish a jig really slow or do you actually get to use a reaction bait it's just gonna have to be a subtle one but mm -hmm. um i yeah, think it, go ahead rob isn't it funny as tournament anglers we lean on baits that are a lot more castable i mean you just you shy away from those baits that are hard to cast it just it's efficiency man it's a game yeah. of efficiency and if it's calm or you got the wind at your back it's great but if you got the wind blowing to the side and you got to throw a number five or seven balsa bait, man, it's, it's a nightmare. Um, so, and that's just, Hey, over time, like every mousetrap gets built better over time. And that is an awesome original mousetrap that still works really, really well. But there's a couple other mousetraps out there now that have some new technology that are a little bit easier to use. It doesn't replace it, but um, it, it gives a nice alternative to someone who doesn't like throwing that, spinning rod go ahead rob and nick you're saying he's throwing it in this in the salt river below saguaro yeah that what a great place i mean that's perfect like yeah you, not deep right yeah it's i mean you're probably going to have a spinning rod because most of the stuff you're throwing is going to be on a spinning rod and just the just the perfect scenario for that you're probably not casting very far to start you right know? good point smiling thinking of when i <clears throat> first started bass fishing more seriously and i had a like a 17 foot fiberglass nitro z6 my brother and i did not know anything other than i guess how to make a boat payment and so i went to bass pro shops and bought like a hundred jointed shad wraps in the fire tiger color and proceeded to just annihilate the bank at bartlett lake with those things and <laughs> i caught fish dude and it was the ugliest dumbest thing ever and i just peppered the bank i just picked a bank trolled down it. i had no idea what i was doing and bartlett's like the you know the easiest lake ever to catch fish on but man there were some epic days on a spinning rod with that thing just feeling so accomplished and i'll always have a soft spot in my heart i don't throw crankbaits a whole lot now but boy i was that was my jam in the beginning that's cool it's funny how a, a new angler just instantly is attracted to fire tiger dude oh, my first crankbait fish were on fire tiger too did you buy a lot of fire tiger early rob the jointed fire yeah. tiger like that's it's hilarious like that's the exactly what lures were built to do is to catch the fishermen Dude, they, they the sold fishermen. 13 right of them a year yep. and i bought 12 of them 
Yeah. <laughs> but they sell the heck out of them, dude. But that's just proof that we overthink fishing so much. Like you could literally, you could walk into Bass Pro Shops and with, <laughs> with blinders on your eyes and pick 10 baits and probably catch fish on nine of them. Yeah. Oh, always man. say yeah. every single bait in Bass Pro is someone's confidence bait. Every <laughs> color of every yeah. single bait in every aisle. There's a dude that swears that has to be what is tied on the end of their rod. Dude, one time with that silly, stupid bait at Lake Powell with my brother, I kid you not, he got like a 14-inch smallmouth on the front treble and like an 18-inch walleye on the back treble <laughs> on a jointed fire That's tiger. Crazy, dude. I want cast. Dude, our minds collectively exploded and splattered all over the windshield of his terrible center console bay boat that we were fishing out of. It was like, this is impossible. Like, how is this even, this is not real life. But I haven't pulled that feed off again in two decades. So That's hilarious. I've, I've never seen that myself, dude. I've never seen two different species on one bait like that. That's crazy. Lake, Lake Powell would get weird like that. Those things, at that time, the stripers had smashed and then the smallmouth you know everything in that lake was stunted and they were starving and you would just find pockets where if you found fish they would they would eat a bear hook if you could get it out there to them and we we really thought we had arrived when he did that it was like i think we're on our way to the bass masters classic now it's like if you can we'll do that tour. Yeah. yeah call the <laughs> lenders up i'm writing an article for in fishermen <laughs> <laughs> exactly put your flannel shirt on and call in fishermen i'm ready that's great awesome. that's cool so I shout out to see that one yeah I'll, I'll find the picture i tell you what i'm sure i can find that picture and i'll post it to our instagram page i just need a little bit of time just like the last 20 things we promised we'd post on there yes correct but this one people actually want to see because it's about me so okay make it happen all right sounds good <laughs> well that's cool and i think really honestly um that was a little more in depth than we talked last week about the winter stuff but i think he just kind of like he found something that we had missed and really forgot to dive into that so thanks for uh, the note dude and keep the keep the questions coming keep the comments coming guys um and then just to kind of keep it on that same topic we're still winter time we're getting ready to roll into the pre-spawn. It'll be here before you know it. It's not here yet, but it's something to be prepared for and start thinking about. Another, you know, wintertime killer that we've never dove deep into is, is just fishing a suspending jerkbait. And a jerkbait, it, it works year-round, but if there's one time a year where it's, where it's the most deadly, especially for big fish, to me it's late winter pre-spawn. And I think a lot of people around the country would agree you can throw it year round, but if, if it deserves being talked about at length, it's right now. Um, are you guys both big jerkbait fan, jerk fans also? Yeah, I love to throw um, – I used to throw rogues a lot, but there's a lot of the original ones are so hard to come by nowadays. Um, but but that's, that's the ide- ideal time of year to throw it to catch a big fish on a jerkbait is that pre-spawn – those fish are just coming up. The big females are not anywhere near the beds. Um, and they're just wanting to put on the feed bag and that's a great way to catch them. They're dialed in on shad. There's still maybe shad kills going on around a lot of the country and nothing looks like a, if you watch a shad twitching its way to death, it looks like <laughs> a suspending jerk bait, right? Yep. It's fun to throw. Sorry to cut you. I just let the light line, right? Usually a lighter rod, faster action. It's just, it's fun to catch fish on that. I agree. Yeah. I'm, I've always been a, uh, a, a, a big fan of it. And as you, what's interesting is right now it's a big fish bait. As you get into later parts of the year, 
it's not necessarily a big fish bait. It turns into more of a numbers bait. Um, and for me in Arizona where we live, it's always been more of a numbers thing. But man, if you go drop your boat into the Ozarks or something like that, there's no better big fish bait than a jerk bait in the cold months. Like it's, that's what you throw to get your kickers. And um, it's kind of interesting just how, how it changes throughout the course of the year. But, um, and, and there's a million different variations. You can throw some big giant jerk baits to emulate gizzard shad and catch fish during the shad spawn. You know, I've had big fish days post spawn trying to, you know, trying to catch fish in that scenario. But typically it's, uh, it's going to be a numbers bait unless you're in the pre-spawn. Um, so we're just going to kind of run through some bullet points, talk about when, why, all the details and stuff. But, you know, when for me, I'm, I'm throwing it. The, the number one thing is water clarity. You know, well, I, th- I feel like it's not a dirty water bait. Do you guys have a certain number in your head as far as like a, 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 a visibility number in feet that you can start throwing a jerk bait or, or, or visibility number when you put it away? I, mean, I, I don't really, I can't really say it's more of a feel thing when you look at the water. Does that make sense? You're looking at it point. and it's a feel, but it's, I mean, you just know when it's too dirty for a jerk bait in my opinion, but yeah, as soon yeah, as I you guess. say that you talk to a guy that's caught him in dirty water on a jerk bait, you know what I mean? But it's yeah. not my bait that I'm going to go to at that point. It is hard to just draw rules and lines in the sand like that. You're right, dude. And I try not to be someone like that. Typically I was going to say, two, three feet, you know, you're good. You don't even have to think twice about it. If you've got less than two feet visibility, you have to think about it. You have to think, okay, is there a better way to catch these fish? What are they related to? Like I've caught some jerkbait fish when you can see a foot and a half, but they were related. Like I'm not going to go throw that thing looking for suspended fish over a point with that visibility. I might be fishing the side of a floating dock where like, for instance, a lake like Grand Lake, the fish, when it's cold, they relate to the black floats on the docks. They'll come up and sun on them in the afternoons. And twitching a jerkbait alongside those floats is a good way to catch fish. And you can use a bright colored, like a table rock shad or a bone, something, and, and keep it in their face for a long time, and that's going to work. But, um, yeah, if, if you're fishing a lake in Oklahoma and it's stained and uh, – there's no, there's nothing that, this, and those fish are actually related to rocks, related to wood. There's better baits than a jerk bait, right? Because they're 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 not suspended. They're probably sitting on the bottom. But typically, yeah, I like to have some clarity. Yeah, if you're trying if you're trying to draw fish from a distance, you definitely definitely have to have that clarity. But um, good way to put I think, it. Yeah. And out here too, I mean, like you mentioned, Josh, Arizona doesn't fish jerk baits. Maybe as the not the same way as the south or parts of the midwest where you know it's just different and now here a lot of times it feels like a search bait right like you throw it on oh a yeah point where you're drawing fish in or like so much of that is a visual that's drawing the key them to in. It. absolutely yep and, and your example of the dock makes perfect sense you only need a foot and a half or two feet of visibility if your cast is landing within a foot and a half or two feet of the structure they're relating to right like it yep. just fishes a little bit differently but it's a, it's a sick, special circumstance bait. yeah it's, it's a you, special circumstance Right. So what do you do? I also, when I think of jerk baits, I think of um, high fish loss ratios. So what are some ways to try and keep them buttoned up? Yeah. I mean, it's a scary thing fighting fish on jerk baits because for one, you're fishing for fish a lot of times when it's cold that aren't necessarily committing and completely swallowing a bait. They might just be grabbing it. Um, 
the treble hooks are small, you know, you're typically using like a number six treble hook. And, and the reason the hooks are small is if you go to too big of a hook, it unbal- the bait becomes unbalanced. You can't just put a number four or a number three hook on a jerk bait. It's going to sink. Um, it's not going to suspend. It's not going to have the right action. So smaller hooks are there. You have to have them. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, playing the fish carefully, I've always got my drag backed off and then use a, a composite rod really helps me, man. I, mm. I hate having a graphite rod and feeling every single hook, uh, head shake of a fish hooked on a jerk yeah. bait. And you just, you do, you just lose them, man. I mean, it's, it's painful it's, to watch them. You get a fish on the side of the boat and it's just got the back hook and you're like, Oh God, you know, go ahead. No, yeah. The, when the fish has just the back hook, the best part about that is when you get them in the boat, cause it's a lot less scary. That's like, true. There's nothing scarier than a three pound smallmouth with a jerk bait all up in its face. Faceful, like, nine trebles. <laughs> it makes me scream like a little girl, dude. Like it's the scariest <laughs> thing ever. Dude, imagine having, and then uh, in MLF having to grab that fish oh. and not be able to put it on the ground because you're going to get a penalty. So you're having to grab that fish. That's brutal. That's got it. I mean, that would be a reason for me not to throw a jerk bait in that <laughs> yeah. situation just because, yeah. Single hook swim bait. Yeah, three pounder scary, but then also when you catch the rat, it's the same size as the jerk bait, and then that thing's just flailing oh, everywhere man. too. I mean, it is like the most dangerous. That's when you let your non-boater take it off for you. You, you fake an injury and ask them to take it off. <laughs> That's funny. You, know, you get a bad cramp or something and hit the deck. So what? What's jerk bait fishing is going to change? It already has changed in the last couple of years with live scope. Like it's uh, maybe this is a point you were going to bring up later, Josh, it but, is, but let's do it. Yep. But it's like, I mean, guys are utilizing the jerk bait with that type of, of ability to see where the fish are and how they're reacting to it. And you're literally playing with them like a cat chasing a mouse. I mean, or you know, you can take a house cat and drag them across the room with a jig without a hook on it. You know, that's essentially what you're doing with the jerk bait and, and, and the fish, you know? So. totally it's like a cat and mouse game and some baits are better for live scope than others the jerk bait's great because it's first off it shows up really well on the live scope the amount of air inside that bait for whatever reason allows mm-hmm. it to really show up well compared to like just a regular plastic swim bait or something you can actually see that jerk bait a lot better and you can tease the fish like you can it's it stays in that water column right you can twitch it and then it stays there your cast is in it's infinite however long you want to leave it out there it's going to stay in the strike zone it's not going to sink out of the strike zone or have to be swam through the strike zone so it's the perfect tool for catching fish on live scope when they're suspended and there have been already a lot of tournaments won by guys doing that so it is like i think uh it's a it's it's a little bit of a revival the live scope game has revived jerk bait fishing a little bit and it's making it more popular even outside of this one time year that we're talking about fishing it because like it's just whenever the fish are in that scenario in that situation it instantly becomes one of the baits that you reach for and you adjust your retrieve to what the fish are showing you which is I mean, that's just, you could never do that before. I mean, I, I think of scenarios with topwater baits, like a walking topwater bait, and you'll have a, you know, a three pound smallmouth following you back to the boat. A lot of people will stop it because that's what they think they need to do. But I've, I've had situations where you speed it up and you're playing that cat and mouse game and you'll get them to bite the bait where you would not have had you not seen them. So now the jerk bait's playing that way with the live scope. Oh, yeah. So pretty yep. cool. Yeah. Yep. 
there's times where you'll even see fish you throw in a jerk bait you see a fish come up and rush it and go back down and then it's like okay well maybe a jerk bait's not the best but at least it showed you that fish was there right mm-hmm. and uh, maybe you come back and catch that fish with something else or try the jerk bait later when they're in a better mood for it but it's a good point man and uh you know as far as like different types of of jerk baits to throw it's it that's endless too i mean i'm really a uh, i look for a couple things in jerk baits and now we've talked about how things have changed over the years but like we talked about castability but castability is my is the first thing i look for in a jerk bait because if you're fishing a windy day or just whatever and and you're making inefficient ineffective casts you're wasting tons of time so i love a jerk bait that's got a good weight transfer system um Mega Bass was the first one to have the really good weight transfer system in the 110. Um, it's the most prolific suspending jerk bait there's ever been. You know, the Rogue started it all, but the Mega Bass just did it better. And now, again, you've got lots of other jerk baits out there that that do the same job and and are really good. This the uh, Berkeley Stunna that Hank Cherry designed after the class or that he won the classic on this year. That's phenomenal deal. It's a, it's a stun of 112. So it's 112 millimeters. The mega bass is 110, super similar, um, but it's got that same weight transfer system. So no matter what type of jerk bait you're looking for, I really recommend getting one that has that weight transfer system so you can cast it into the wind and um, fish it effectively and efficiently, like make a long cast with it. And also accurate. Like even if you're not making really long casts, but you've got a jerk bait that sails on the cast and you miss, you're trying to intentionally throw it five or 10 feet off the bank before starting your tree. But if you miss it by 20 feet, cause it sailed wasted cast. And um, I'm all about that, that efficiency there. And then uh, you've got shallow divers, deep divers, um, you know, a typical medium running jerk bait's going to run. What do you think? Five feet guys, four to six feet, something like that. Somewhere in that range. Yep. Depending on line size and cast distance. Totally. Totally. I, I like to start with that. Sometimes I'll go deeper. The clearer the water, the more likely I am to throw a deeper running jerk bait, just because that light penetrates a little bit lower and the fish just naturally want to sit deeper, no matter what the time of year it is, no matter what the scenario. So if you're in two, three, four feet visibility, I'm usually not going to throw the deep diver, but man, there's a lot of times when you've got like five foot plus visibility and it's really, really clear water that getting your bait an extra two or three feet deeper is just putting you closer to where those fish want to comfortably sit. So even, you know, in warmer months, I love throwing a deep jerk bait like that. Go ahead, Rob. In the warmer months, you're saying that? Yeah. Any time of year, dude, I just feel like, you know, that, that water clarity is a lot of times dictates how far below the surface those fish suspend and sit. And uh, it was, it was funny. I was just sitting in my boat the other day, digging through my jerkbait box and I pulled out some of those little deeper diving uh, lucky crafts. I don't even remember. Those are awesome. Them. They deserve yeah. attention too. They're really good. Yep. Dude, that was such a player years ago and it may be, and I'm just out of the loop, but that was uh winter time in Arizona. I mean, if you had any water clarity, you could, you could smack them on it. And I'm probably thinking more a lot like uh, Apache Lake. We, a jerk bait was king there in yep. the wintertime when there was smallmouth and good largemouth. And it was, it was really interesting. Um, I, I caught my fair share of fish on jerk baits up there in the winter back when I was hardcore into the tournaments. And um, you could fish it the entire day and you would have one period throughout the day where you would catch them. Not always, but that was very common. Like a lot of guys would have put it down way before we did. We just had 
a ton of confidence to where you'd eventually run into them. Um, and obviously this is before all the electronics and stuff, but those fish would quite often you would figure out where they were by casting straight to the bank. And like, Great let's say you'd catch, you'd catch them like 10 feet off the bank and they would really position consistently like that. So then all of a sudden, once you figure out you're getting three or four fish that you're catching 10 feet off the bank, you start going parallel, parallel and casting 10 foot out or whatever it was, you know what I mean? Whatever that, that distance off the shore was, because we were catching them over super deep water. They were just suspending there or they were moving up to eat it. And you could really um, dial them in by paying attention to where those fish were eating the bait. So even if you have electronics, that's a, that's an awesome approach, dude. Yeah. I love that. The way you explained it there. Yeah. Hopefully that yeah came across right, but it was uh man, it was fun when you would, I mean, you're, this is when I was younger. There's no way I could throw it as long as we did back then. I mean, we'd literally throw it all day, every day um, to the point where hooks would wear holes in the side of the rogues. I mean, <laughs> you would cry like if you broke the bill off of one of those crank or those <laughs> jerk baits because they were so prized, right? Well, and they were inconsistent, probably, right? Like, because oh, and you'd only been better than others. Oh, yeah, you would have like a really, really good one. And if you broke <laughs> the bill on it, or I remember one time I cast and my line broke, and that thing went as far in the desert as you could ever imagine. <laughs> <laughs> it's up there somewhere still, but I'm sure it's not in very good shape. But, oh, man. Yeah, so. Uh. That's you fun. throw you throw it on a on ten pound floral, twelve pound floral. So those we would probably throw. I mean, that was floral. a bigger bait. Floral. <laughs> what do you mean floral? Yeah, exactly. Not floral back then. So oh, I thought mono was just a disease you got, Rob. I didn't realize it I was is. Line. Yes, it's the kissing disease, right? <laughs> no, no we would throw probably if I remember right, it was uh, ten pound, ten or twelve pound mono. That that was on the. I wish I knew the numbers. There's so many different variations of rogues, but um, the bigger rogue, I literally threw it on 15 pound line, um, but I wasn't throwing it in that scenario. Like at Apache, I would throw that. Um, I did throw it in a pre-spawn time when the big largemouth were up, but I'd throw it on a seven foot glass rod, glass tipped rod. So like a composite um, with 15 pound big game in, I mean, we had a period of time there where we were catching absolute monsters. So, but it's tight. it was years and years ago, just memories now, unfortunately. <laughs> it'll come back. Yeah. The good old days. Yeah. Uh, it'll, <laughs> hopefully that lake gets back to that, dude. I yeah, hope so. Another period of that for sure. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, I mean, but it's, it's nothing's changed, right? Like uh, the, the same rods you were, it's the same rod. Now the rods are just a little bit lighter. You know, they, yep. I, I, I like a composite rod for it too, a six ten or seven foot medium or medium light, depending on the jerk bait and the cover. Like I'm getting ready to go to uh, Lake fork in uh, about a month and I'll be throwing a jerk bait there a lot. And I like throwing it on like a six ten medium light, but I'm like, dude, I don't dare freaking throw not a six ten medium light with ten pound at Lake Fork. And it's not like I'm gonna throw a, a a much different setup, but I'll probably use like a seven foot medium with twelve or fifteen. And yeah. uh, you still, dude, if an eight pounder wants to run it around a tree, it's going to. But you just have a little bit more guidance so you can give those fish with that with that noodle, dude. You don't have a chance. But yeah, but you gotta, when you're you got to bubba up a little bit. <laughs> totally. Yeah. You just have to. Um, yeah. And then so much of, of your rod and reel too, it, it's, it's what you're going to be able to cut in the line. 
the cast ability you're going to get. And then it really makes a difference in, in how that bait acts too when you twitch it, right? Like the softer your rod, your twitch isn't going to make the bait do the same thing as if you're using a little bit stiffer rod. So if you've got a medium, you can, you're still going to want to give it a sharp little twitch with some slack in your line, but you're giving it more movement than you would with a medium light. It deadens the, the bait a little bit. So something to keep in mind, um, you know, is, is that type of rod you're using. And, and every day is going to be different. You know, it'd be nice to say in general, and you could say in general, the colder the water, the longer your pauses and the softer your twitches. And then as it warms up, more aggressive, more aggressive. But there's things, day, it changes day to day. And, and um, you know, it's something that you want to mix up until you feel like you're doing the right thing. Um, and getting those fish to trigger. And then one thing I'll say too, the smallmouth factor, when you're doing that for smallmouth, you can't rip that thing too hard. They want you to be absolutely, if you watch Van Dam fish a uh, jerk bait, it's uh, for smallmouth, it's, it's obviously it's, it's a uh, pretty awesome to watch, but he is absolutely, I mean, it's, he's, he's got a foot of slack in his line and he's ripping his rod across the body. He looks like he's seizing up. I mean, he is going at it with that thing and uh, that triggers those fish. And then um, if you got smallmouth around, I'm really a firm believer of having some chartreuse in your bait too. Something bright to really uh, fire those fish up so they can see it. You know, I mean, a big thing with smallmouth fishing is just getting the fish to see it. So that's why there's crazy clown colors and stuff like that. They work so well for smallmouth. But if you got small uh, smallmouth factor going on, uh, make sure you get some chartreuse in your bait. You Fire agree? tiger. Yeah, fire yeah, tiger and jointed, <laughs> dude. Uh, um, I I think I know the answer to this, but is there any consideration for um, re the uh, speed of the reel or as fast like seven to one? Fine. You want a slower reel? Is that doing any good? Or you probably want faster it, to pick up the slack faster? Exactly. It's a great question, and you're never working the bait with your reel. So in right. that case, you may as well have it in all types of bass fishing. If you're not working the bait with your reel have the fastest reel you can. That okay. way you can pick up that slack. You can, at the end of the cast, you can get it in quickly. Um, hundred percent. Yep. Okay. And, and a good reel too. Like, Hey, this is, we talk about how drop shotting, you want to splurge on your drop shot rod because it's so sensitive and it's a light bite. Well, this is the technique you want to splurge on your reel because it, it I mean, dude, the jerk baits are getting better and better to cast. We talked about that, but still, um, it's not still not a bullet. It still doesn't cast like a, a big crankbait. So splurge on that reel um, and, and a lighter reel. Also, at the end of the day, when you've been working it all day long, it's easier to the whole, the lighter your whole setup is, the easier it is on you through the course of the day. Yeah. I've kind of cheated with my jerkbait reel lately. I've got the DC reel with the little computer chip in it, which nice. really, I mean, it's for that bait alone, it's perfect. It's worth so, it on your jerkbait reel if you can yeah. if you can afford to do it. You skip, skimp yeah. on something else, but but have a really good jerkbait setup if you can. Yeah, I bought a couple of those reels with the dream of having clients throw bait casters, but that wasn't <laughs> the case. <laughs> they held it upside down and they reeled over yeah, the hooks just, in the spool. The computer's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, but it's not that good. <laughs> hmm. uh, Dude, I want to go throw a jerkbait now, man. We're all fired me up. Too. To, so jerk baits. Yeah. Dude, I I just get such a kick out of smallmouth eating a jerk bait. There's just 
God, like a largemouth will just kind of grab it. And he's heavy. A lot of times with a dude, a smallie will just absolutely hit the piss out of it. Oh my yeah. God. Like you just run into a brick wall with it. It's incredible. Yeah. And then they jump and you just get scared. And yeah, yeah. we talked, we talked Well, last year I caught in that uh, AZ open in Havasu. We caught some big smallmouth on jerk baits and it's come a miss in the tournament. Cause I got MLF on top of it next month, but uh, gosh, it's, it's getting to be that time of year again. We're already almost there. I was looking at that schedule. That looks kind of, it looks inviting, but I'll talk myself out of it by the time it shows up. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Don't worry, guys. You won't have to deal with Rob. No. Man, I remember the time that we fished the opens together, Josh, and there was one at Table Rock. I remember in practice, you caught an absolute leviathan of a largemouth on a rainy day and a jerk bait. Do you remember that fish? That yeah, one I do. always stick out in my head. I have a cool picture of that one with it sideways in its mouth. It was that was a, a yeah, giant. it was like almost a seven pounder, dude. I and wow. I caught I caught it, I'm not kidding, and, and not a brag session, but I, I I caught an eight plus pounder on bull shoals on a jerk bait, which yeah, just on, dude, on the Ozarks, ones. those are northern strain fish. Like ten is the biggest I've ever heard come out of table rock or bull shoals. Uh it was it, that is the jerkbait epicenter of our country. Just like yeah. out where we live is drop shotting, and you know the southeast is for speedworms yeah. and swim jigs, and out in the central part of the, the best jerkbaiters, Mike McClellan, those guys that come from the Ozarks, they're so good at throwing jerkbaits because it is like, dude, the, the water's clear, it's deep. The fish love to suspend in standing timber which is like uh-huh. the perfect scenario to throw jerkbaits, and they have all three species. Yeah. All three species, and they all love jerk baits. You're yeah. totally right. I mean, it, if it's a basically January through April tournament, you can guarantee a jerk bait is going to play a huge factor. Um, and that day that I, it was the most magical jerk bait I've ever day I've ever had at Bull Shoals. That day I had that eight pounder. I had like 25 pounds, dude. I'm not even <laughs> kidding. Um, and the, and the pattern slowly kind of fell apart on me through the tournament but I still did catch, uh, I had three fish the first day for like 13 and a half pounds. I had two fives on the jerk bit. I just couldn't put it down, um, to fill out a, which it's embarrassing to only weigh three on bull shoals, dude. It, it, I was in like 25th place, uh, three three fish. fish. It was such a, (laughs) such a shame. I should have had a, you know, 18 pound bag, which would have been unreal, but, um, such a fun place to throw them. Dude, I think in this upcoming season of Ozarks, Marty's throwing a jerk bait off the back of the casino boat. So we'll have to <laughs> see what his his specific setup is. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait, dude. Yeah, when is it coming? I don't know. Late January is what they say. So it's got to be every day. Every time I turn on Netflix, it's like suggested, you know, because they're priming you to get excited. And I always hover over it to see if it says new episodes, but not yet. Nice. And I wouldn't want to Google something like that because then it would ruin it. If there is a drop dead date, then I'd know. I want to be surprised. Yeah, you want to have that that feeling every day when you turn the TV on. Did, right. uh, and shout out to uh, – Norman and uh, Brandy Upton for uh, being Letterkenny fans. We we talked to them at our uh, our meet and greet. They came and hung out with us, and uh, they're rare Letterkenny fans like I am. Nick promised he would start watching it, but I can tell he hasn't started yet. So, oh, look at how cocky you are. Well, I actually watched the first seven minutes of the first episode <laughs> when those guys pull up in the red Jeep Wrangler. Oh, you did? Oh, nice. it's hilarious. I don't have Hulu, so I got to figure something else out. I was watching oh. it on a friend's uh, phone. I'm sure I can what a guy. figure something out, but uh, yeah. Okay. I see why I think that's funny. Cause it was so fast. And so like, you got to be paying attention. The jokes are flying. It was good. Very good. I, you're going to like it. It's worth getting Hulu just for that. Hulu's cheap, dude. And then you've got it for other shows too. 
Word. Yeah, we're we're about halfway through Sopranos again. Oh, had you seen it once before, and you just yeah, go back twenty at it? years ago? I mean, can you believe it was that long ago? The kids no, were just. I've little. never seen it. Oh, it's incredible. Uh, Sopranos. Really? So, Rob, does oh. it feel like it's new again, or do you know it's going to happen? No, I have no idea what's yeah. going to happen. It's does totally he... new. It plays, and it plays, it's as good as anything nowadays. I think it's the best, dude. So, yeah. that was my first TV series that I, I fell into randomly like four or five years ago. And luckily, there's a ton of it. And it was just like an immersion over three months of just, yeah. Yeah, it's Josh, hop wow. on that. It's old so school, but it's still what good. What platform do you watch it on? Prime? Hulu, I think. It's okay, HBO, yeah. but it, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure I go to Hulu and get on. I watched it on Amazon Prime 100 years ago, so that's yeah. probably an option too. But yeah, dude, Tony Soprano is a bad, bad mamma jamma. He's good. It's just like he's, yeah, it's those typical shows where you root for the bad guy, right? Yeah, he's <laughs> lovable, right? Well, and, it, and then, I mean, his that's his character, but James Gandolfini, I mean, he passed away of a heart attack yeah. at a young age, which is just terrible. But he is a phenomenal actor and a great character. It's incredible. Yeah. So if we circle back, so I still think Sopranos edges out Breaking Bad, but far, by that, far, by yeah, far, I wouldn't go by far. I, I, uh, I would say yes. Breaking. See, it's funny the updates. Norman and Brandy were saying they were struggling to finish Breaking Bad, but dude, I don't know. Maybe it's the the adventure seeker that I have in me of wanting to go to Mexico and how Breaking Bad kind of tied that into the storyline. Maybe that's why it's so special to me, but. I don't know, man. Sopranos is barely my number one, and then Breaking Bad's right behind it. So, they did were, you speaking of Mexico, real quick? Did you have a little sign-up book at the meetup for folks that are going to go? Because I do have a guy that wants to go. Um, Jim Cook mentioned to me; he said he would maybe be down with rolling down to Mexico. Oh, uh, Jim Cook! I'm so happy to have met him. He's a badass. So I would, I would <laughs> love to have him. Yeah, we had all sorts of Mexico love going on there. And, all right. Uh, Good to see that not everyone's as big of a wimp as you two guys are. Yeah, very, yep, you're right. <laughs> you need <laughs> all tougher, types, Nick. You need tougher uh, friends. I, <laughs> yeah. Clearly. That's cool. Or crazier, one of the two. <laughs> uh, well, crazy is just a, a compliment. That's great. Josh, well, hey, what's your number one of all time? Going back my to My number one series of all time? Up. Yeah. I don't know, dude. It's tough. I'll tell you that, and I, I probably mentioned this one uh, before, but Money Heist. Did I mention that we were watching this? Have I talked about this? It's, Is it's that a, a Netflix movie? series. No, well, there's probably a movie named Money Heist. Well, no, no, no. We'll, I, the Netflix series. It's a series. Okay. It's a series. It's filmed in Spain, dude. Uh-huh. And it is, I think it's from Spain. I'm pretty sure it's from Spain. Europe. Um, uh huh. But it's 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 all the voices are overdubbed. But again, after watching, I can't remember what show I watched before they had overdubbed the voices, and I I learned how to deal with that. So it's not such yeah. a big thing for me anymore. But it's awesome, dude. The show is it's one That's of the top your number ten shows. One? I'll tell it's the most exciting. I, I won't say it's the, my favorite of all time, but it's the most exciting show that leaves you wanting more. Every okay. single episode, you turn it off and you can't turn it <laughs> off, dude. It ends so <laughs> okay. crazy. And uh, I won't even go into what the show's about, but it's worth checking out. There's five seasons. Okay. And uh, it's just one of the most intense shows ever. And it was the, it's one of the top 10 shows on Netflix. It was like third when we started I remember saying that the cover for it's like a mask, right? Yes. Like kind of and like what a... they do is they, they, are, they, they they invade bank robbers and take uh-huh. yeah they're bank robbers so they wear the masks and they have hostages and stuff and there's a real genius behind the scenes running the show and uh 
there's a million times when you think they're going down and they just keep going and going. And um, it's hilarious to watch them outsmart. And it's the same thing. You're rooting for these people, dude. And they got a mm-hmm. hundred hostages at their fingertips with the guns <laughs> to their heads. And, and, and they're the bad, the, the good guys are the ones with the guns. It's hilarious, man. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's a great show. All right. All right. We'll check that yep. out. If we're going to go down a rabbit done. hole of bank um, robberies. Okay. Last one. Have you seen the movie, the town? I saw that just came back up on Netflix. Have you seen the town? Ben yes, but Affleck it's been years, it? maybe 10 years. Oh, it's, uh, I hope it's been out for please. 10 years. I sound like an idiot. No, I've it's been it. out. It's a long time. <laughs> it, it's so good, dude. Affleck's the director as well. And man, if anyone hasn't seen that, that movie is dude, those bank robbing scenes, that one, the one when they wear the masks, like they're nuns, and they have that chase. Oh, I get chills just thinking about how bad nice. that scene is. So lots of TV to watch out there for our fishing friends that should be fishing instead of watching. You can tell how much we fish. We just talk about TV shows. Exactly. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> hey, yeah. I should be typically in my days where I was a little bit more uh, committed and diehard. I'd be, I'd be pouring over Google Earth and stuff this time of year. But <laughs> yeah. now we're in the middle. I gotta get, we got to get through this show so I can get back to prepping for the season. I can't even... I, I, I got to watch the show, but we only have like two episodes left. So I'll be back, of, of be back Money Heist? pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But Hey, great, great episode guys. Uh, thanks again to all the listeners for tuning in. Um, keep the uh, questions flowing and uh, we'll be back next week. We won't, we've got a pretty, pretty awesome guest lined up, but we'll save that for next week. So hopefully uh, it all works out and we get them on and uh, we have a, a cool episode ahead. Thank you guys.